Flushing girl from Flushing. The nanny named Fran. Oh, Mr. Sheffield. Uh, Miss Fine. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another exciting episode of Oh, Mr. Sheffield, the podcast that you listen to that recaps The Nanny, a TV series from the 90s starring Fran Drescher. I am Sean Pasquale here with... Victoria Sheffield. Wah, wah, wah. <laughs> and today we are discussing uh, The Nanny, Season 3, Episode 7, Oy vey, You're Gay. That's the yeah. title, not an insult. <laughs> um, and uh, this was an episode written by uh, Eileen O'Hare, and it was directed by Dorothy Lyman, who mm-hmm. directs a lot of good episodes of this show. Um, this is the one where in... Uh, I don't even know how you explain it because like the the turn and the title don't even happen to like almost the end of the episode. So, well, basically, Mr. Sheffield uh, hires a publicist, an attractive blonde woman who he clearly has a huge crush on. And it, it's significant because it seems like he's finally sort of getting himself out there on the dating scene for the first time since his wife passed. And then it turns out she's gay. And this was actually featured- the publicist, not his wife. Yeah. Yes. Yes, that would be a very different Oive, your gay um, discovery. (laughs) (laughs) But so, but this is also significant. And it's another episode that was featured in Matt Baum's Friends Fine with the Gays video on YouTube, where he kind of deconstructs how this was a very, very progressive show for its time. And as we get into it, we're going to see like just why and how. And so it's, it was cool. It was a very it was very cool when you put it in the context of, you know, 1995 that this episode existed. Um and it's also, you know, it it flo- it was a, a fun romp as well in general. Lots of little funny beats and lines throughout. Mhm. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that assessment. It, there was like some real good beats, some real fun stuff. Um there's a couple lines that 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 got me really hard. Um <laughs> Sean, that's personal. <laughs> I don't need to know that. None of us. There were a couple lines that got me rock hard with laughter. Um, so yeah, so you uh, open you open in in Mister Sheffield's office, and Niles is at his desk with his feet up, and we get a great Al Gore joke yeah. because again, this show needs to constantly remind us that it is set in the mid nineties. Bill Clinton is president. Everyone's having a good time. <laughs> Pre a lot of bad stuff. There's not happened. a care, not a care in the world. Ska is a popular uh, musical genre. Yeah. And what young um, people don't really know is the economy was doing it was doing so well. We yeah. were just in such a great bubble. Pre 9-11. Yeah. It was everything yeah. was everything was great and we all had our heads deeply embedded in the sand. Oh. Um at least all white people. Anyway. Uh, so there's a great Al Gore joke where, uh, Fran comes in joking about, you know, Niles having his feet up while the boss is away. And she's, she says, I think the line is like, oh, Al Gore does it all the time. Or she's like, I'm sure Hillary's walked in on Al Gore doing this all the time. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. And then we have this other very, very funny beat where Mr. Sheffield, he comes home stumbling drunk. So he's not, yeah. And this was, I actually. The drunkest we've ever seen him? Oh, I mean, it's the only time we've seen him drunk. And it was, you could tell it was a really fun um, beat for Charles Shaughnessy to play because it was something he never gets to do as Mr. Sheffield. But it was so painful for me personally because he's, you know, he's lost all dignity. He's dancing goofy. He's singing Rod Stewart. um, And he's just lost all composure. Uh, 
And the next morning, we have this scene at the breakfast table where- Well, and and you got to set up. The reason he's so depressed and drunk is because none of the girls that he met like liked him or well, hit we don't, on him. Well, he, we don't know that till later, till after breakfast, he reveals that to, to Fran. Well, no, because she's like, you're wearing, you were wearing your ring. Because that's, that's when he that's, comes- yes, Oh, is that breakfast? That's after breakfast. Mm, I thought that was in that scene when he stumbles no. in. No, mm. he just stumbles in and they just, you know, you know, he goes up the stairs drunk. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then so the next morning he's super, super hungover to the point where they do this slow-mo scene where uh, Brighton is pouring milk and Rice Krispies and the snap, crackle, and pop is so loud to Mr. Very Jeff stylized <laughs> scene for the <this laughs> show. Yes, it's all in slow-mo and he's like – it's clearly like, you know, shit – like painful and grating to his his headache and then Fran comes in and they they zoom in on her mouth right before she's about to belt out good morning and he literally screams no (laughs) um and there's that funny beat in that scene where um Fran makes some little joke at Mr. Sheffield's expense and Niles goes, oh miss fine leave Mr. Sheffield alone he's in a very vulnerable state (laughs) and Mr. Sheffield's like Niles, is that my watch? Because Niles has a watch on. And Niles goes, yes, thank you, sir. I love it. So clearly, <laughs> Niles is basically stealing from Mr. Sheffield while he's incapacitated and, and then claiming that he was gifted things. Um, and that's when we have the scene that you were referencing. Right. Um, it, and it's a very, very sweet scene. Um, yeah, where they're in the living room after breakfast and Mr. Sheffield's like, um, you know, I – I last night was really tough. Like I was in a room full of beautiful women and not a single one even came up to talk to me. And Fran's like, that's because you still wear your wedding ring. And and she's like, I think it's time you took it off. And he's like, Oh, but but I wear it because it reminds me of my wife. And she's like, You're you're gonna remember her like every time you look at your children. Like if, I think it's time, you know, to take that off. Um and it, and again, it was I, I always love when they when we see how like um, selfless Fran is with Mr. Sheffield emotionally, like she's not jealous, she's not petty, she she has like a lot of compassion for the fact that he is a man who lost his wife, but she's also you know pushing him in the right direction of of moving on. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, I think I thought she was right here, didn't you? Like, yeah, I, I, like I agreed. I mean, I think that he's probably. Um, holding on a little. I mean, it's. I think it's like three years at this point. Like, yeah, since the wife passed away. If, if not a little bit longer, and you know, yeah, he's he's holding on, and it's definitely going to like. I mean, women aren't going to approach a, a married man. You know, mm-hmm. most women. Um. So yeah, I think it's. I thought it was a really sweet scene, and it, and it was. Um, I like when they. I like when the show acknowledges like the emotional continuity of what's happening. Mm -hmm. You know, like I don't need continuity from episode to episode. It's not the Marvel universe, but I do like, I do think the show is at its best when the characters at least acknowledge like the emotional continuity of like where they are, you know? So I like this, this, that section of the episode. And that's actually why when we get later in the episode, I had some problems with what was happening, but we'll get there. Um, But so then we kind of set up the other part of this whole setup, which is Cece comes in and she's like, Maxwell, look, Andrew Andrew Lloyd Webber is a clue in the New York Times crossword puzzle. 
Mr. Sheffield's like, why does he get to be a clue? I've produced way more plays than he has. And Fran goes, yeah, and yours are way better. You can always get tickets to yours. And you can, and like his are sold out for months, (laughs) which is like such a horrible dig without like an unknowing dig of Mr. Sheffield. You think that was unknowing for her? Yeah. She seemed gen, I I mean, she did seem pretty genuine, I guess. Yeah. Um, and so this Cece's like, you know, Maxwell, I've been telling you this for a decade. You need to hire a publicist. And she's like, I know a great guy. He's the best in New York. His name is Sidney Mercer. And, and he's like, oh, I don't know. C- uh, Miss ba- like, I don't know, Cece. Um, I feel like self-promotion is tacky. And Fran goes, not if you do it right. You should get yourself the guy who the guy who Hugh Grant's hooker has. She's coming across <laughs> very classy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which, that was a joke. '90s. That was a '90s thing that I completely forgot. Was, oh yeah, was leading man Hugh Grant getting caught in a hooker uh, uh, scandal? An underage, yeah, an yeah. underage girl. I think. Oh man, yep. it was a big scandal. Yeah. Um, but it was a very funny line. And but hey, he's so, still beloved and working. So it was a different time. <laughs> Yeah, different time. The nineties. Um, okay. Um, so yeah, so then we get the reveal. Sydney Mercer shows up, and it's not a man. It's not an old man. Cece, Cece says she knew him, which I guess like she she like tangentially knew him and didn't know that he had retired and that his very cute daughter, blonde daughter, had taken over. Yes, like, well, and I guess like a- her name is also Sydney Mercer. <laughs> yes, I also thought it was interesting. Um, basically, you know, this gorgeous blonde woman who. Play, is played by Catherine Oxenberg from Dynasty fame. So Dynasty, hugely, hugely famous TV show from the 80s, um, you know, family drama. Uh, that's how people watching in the 90s would know her. I instantly was like, oh, shit. Because if you have been following any of the Nexium scandal, like there's been a couple documentaries about it in the last year and a half or so, the whole Keith Raniere thing – Catherine Oxenberg is heavily featured in those documentaries because her daughter, India, was one of the like prime, most notable victims of that whole um, basically sex cult. You know, she got completely brainwashed. She was sucked in for several years. And actually, Catherine Oxenberg was a very, very big part of why that whole ring got taken down um, because she was sort of relentless in the pursuit of trying to get her 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 daughter out of the clutches of um, Nexium, and so and the fact that you know she had a little bit of sort of celebrity behind her, I think helped get some attention on it, and she did like lots of publicity and press. So it was unrelated to the nanny, very compelling stuff. But this was you know twenty five, how many years ago? Thirty years ago, 30 before years all ago. this. Jesus. So instead, she just, you know, shows Jesus. Up. <laughs> I don't even think her daughter was born yet, to be fair. True. No, her daughter would not have even been born yet. Um, but so she shows up and she's stunning. That's wild. I know. It's crazy. It's absolutely uh, insane. so old. I know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Keith Raniere wouldn't even want us in, our, in his sex cult. That's how old we are. <laughs> um, so dark. But, but true. So um, – Niles is instantly elated because he knows that Cece never would have suggested hiring this woman. She, yeah, and in fact, when he he drags Cece out to see the publicist, Cece instantly goes, "That's not Sidney Merzer. I know him. He's a fa- 
that old womanizer. <laughs> and then the daughter goes, he's my father. And she goes, and he's hilarious. Love that guy. <laughs> like she does such a desperate 180 because her yeah. foot was so far in her mouth. It was very, very funny. And then, um, you know, not surprisingly, Mr. Sheffield is instantly smitten with her and he hires her on the spot. And even though he had been, you know, very resistant to a publicist, he was suddenly like, you know, I think you're right, Cece. I'm so glad you you uh, suggested this. And Cece's like despondent. Then, oh, I'm curious what you thought of this. He comes home a few days later with Sydney and he's in a leather jacket. And I just he, wrote, why is he dressed as a greaser? <laughs> oh my God. I just wrote, he looks so awful and his hair is done differently. And we've established he's had like several TV it appearances. Make any sense because it's like, was this what was cool? like? Would this have been? I mean, I get. I guess it. I guess. I guess actually, he basically has taken on like the Uncle Jesse from Full House look. Yeah, which I get- was like sexy, cool guy at the time. Yeah, and it, it, it was crazy. kind of also like the way that like Joey Lawrence in Blossom used to dress. Like it, it was clearly like you know publicists trying to like make you hip and relevant by yeah. putting you in the youth clothes. Um, and he, oh my god, it was so painful. I hated it so much. Mm-hmm. Um, and he ends up inviting <laughs> Sydney out to dinner that night to the Rainbow Room. Um, and and so he clearly is thinking there is like a vibe between them. Um. And that evening, Fran's watching TV. I love this line. Niles comes in and goes, well, I talked him out of the leather pants. Then I spent the next hour getting him out of the leather pants. <laughs> which is just oh, – can you imagine like just Niles' life having to like literally help Mr. Sheffield out of leather pants? He's- well, and then Fran has a good line there where she's like, well, you're doing it all wrong. Like – just put on yeah. some heels and a tube top and it should be done in like five seconds. <laughs> yeah, like it took you an hour to get pants off a man. Um, and then Mr. Sheffield comes down and he's he's now in a suit and he's no longer wearing his wedding ring. And he actually thanks Fran for helping him yeah. um, kind of work through that. And, and he leaves and it's very, very clear now that Fran has some very conflicting feelings about this, none of which she is willing to admit. Um, you know, she, she sort of almost with tears in her eyes is like, you know, I'm really happy for him. But, she, you know, she's seeing him – she, uh, she and Niles are both seeing him show interest in a woman – you know, which, yeah, I guess he did with that sort of like Fran Light episode, but nothing as maybe as serious as this or as yeah. seemingly threatening to like her position in his life. Yeah, um, no, I mean, it's a big beat for him to, you know, be this interested in a woman. Yes, taken off the wedding women, ring. You know, yeah. Yeah. And then the doorbell rings and it's Sydney. And she thought that she was supposed to meet Mr. Sheffield at the house when he thought they were meeting at the rainbow room. Um, yes, this is when, this is when the very probably like most memorable scene in this whole episode happens, which is, you know, Fran starts talking to her and she's like, you know, Sydney, like I wish you two the best of luck, but just make sure you take care of him and make sure he doesn't eat too late. And when he gets into Justin, do blah, blah, blah. And she's doing all these things, which shows that she clearly basically, you know, she basically is his de facto wife yeah. and wants to make sure that like, he's okay when he transitions to someone else. And she, and then, and then she goes, Fran goes, Oh, but I'm assuming you'll still be needing a nanny, right? Because even in her heartbreak, she's like looking out for her job security. And oh, and uh, Sydney goes, Fran, like, what exactly do you mean? And, or what exactly do you mean by that? And Fran goes, 500 a week plus dental. 
and then and then and then she goes, goes and then she goes no really and she goes okay three fifty plus a water pick yeah that's what I, I laughed out loud that Fran yeah. would literally nego- like be okay with three fifty a week and a water pick a instead water pick. of a dental plan yeah so funny um and that's when Sydney's like oh no Fran like you're way off I'm not interested in Mr Sheffield like that I'm gay yeah. And Fran's like, oh my God, you're gay? That's amazing. And she takes her into a huge embrace. She's like so thrilled. At which point, Sydney kind of like lets the hug linger and kind of starts stroking Fran's hair. And Fran realizes like, uh-oh, like I think uh, maybe there's more going on between Sydney and me than I realized. And uh, basically Fran's like, oh, no, 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 like I'm not gay. And Sydney's like, really? Like, I just assumed, you know, you're over 30, never been married, no man in your life. And Fran goes, oh, I'm not gay. I'm just pathetic. <laughs> that was the other, got a giant laugh out loud for yeah. me. Fran is like very casual about it, you know, like she literally goes from having this exchange to starting to like powder her nose with her makeup compact. And then Fran's like, oh, so typical. A successful professional's interest, like finally interested in me and it's a woman. <laughs> and then um, Catherine Oxenberg's like, are you sure you're not gay? Like, um, cause, cause I definitely would have asked you out. Yeah. And then Fran literally like kind of considers it and she goes, you're not Jewish, are you? <laughs> Catherine Axenberg's like, no. And she's like, ugh, too bad. <laughs> like, which is the very, I think there's a lot of progressive little elements happening under the surface, which is gay woman makes an advance. Fran does not freak out. It's not, you know, the biggest deal. And then she almost considers it for a moment. <laughs> and then like, you know, totally just moves on, you know, doesn't even yep. really care. Um, This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. And, you know, so this was this was not like a very special episode no. or an episode where the butt of the joke is that, oh, no, gay person is interested in me. How awkward. No. Um, anything like that. No, if anything, it was like, oh, that would be cool. But it's just yeah. not what I'm into, you know, yeah. which is uh, uh, the best uh, the, the best way to do this, I think. Mm hmm. Um. And this is where we get a shift in the episode that I didn't like from a writing or narrative perspective. Yeah. And so, you know, everything gets resolved between Fran and Sydney. But Fran suddenly realizes she, she suddenly is like, oh, poor Mr. Sheffield. He's sitting there like alone at the rainbow room, you know, ready to commit to a woman. And she's like, oh, and she sort of has this light bulb. And she's like, I got to get down to the rainbow room as if like, now she's like, this would be the perfect time 
for me to present myself as an option for him, like as a serious romantic partner. And I'm like, wait, 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 like, when did we jump to this? Because the last time that we, the last several times we've checked in between these two, it's that there are ships passing in the night. Neither of them realize that they are clearly like the perfect people for each other. And that's like, that's the engine that is sustaining everything. So to suddenly like switch it to have it be, oh no, Fran is just totally angling to get with him and is just waiting for her opportunity. It just, it's just not in line with like the, the emotional beats of what have been happening between them. Um, and so I, so basically she, she gets in this, you know, beautiful gown to go meet him. It's sort of in the, it was almost like a CC beat, right? Like, yeah. It, it, this, I had the same reaction where I just felt like, oh, well, this isn't earned even a little bit because, you know, like you said, they have done, they've gone, almost gone out of their way to establish that like these two just aren't there yet. And then what this episode seems to say is like, oh, Fran done been new and has just been waiting for the right moment to pounce. But that's not really the case. No, that's it's if anything, it is Cece, right? And so Fran, you know, gets dressed up in this gown and runs over and like gets in the elevator with him and all this stuff happens after that. But I, I really think what should have happened was she should have just it, it could have happened very similarly because what ultimately happened is, happens is they get stuck in an elevator together, right? Um, and that still could have happened, but she could have been more like, oh, poor guy. I better go over there and tell him so he doesn't like feel like a fool. Like, but not in a, uh, you know, ulterior motive way. And if she had just literally gone over in like her casual clothes just to like, you know, go home with him and, you know, make sure he was doing okay after like this kind of reject, you know, what could feel like a rejection moment. It didn't need to be, I'm going there to seduce him at all. And everything else that happened could have happened exactly the same way because ultimately she gets to the rainbow room. He's getting into the elevator. She runs in with him. The door is closed. And she reveals that Sydney's actually gay. And, you know, all of his expectations about that evening are just, you know, out the window. And he had hired apparently like a string quartet and made sure there would be like romantic music and champagne. And as he is sort of, processing that the elevator stalls and they get stuck and he's you know and he also first of all he initially is like you know oh yeah like you know this sucks but it's not like she knows how I felt so I don't you know I'm not embarrassed and then Fran's like she might know and he's like how and she's basically like because I told her so then he's mortified and angry and they're stuck in an elevator together and like, you know, there's some funny beats where she tries to crawl out of the elevator shaft because she really, really wants to get to that dinner. And It's so uh, silly. She like – this was the other thing that I was like, this is just goofy. She like opens up the like top hatch of the elevator and he seemingly boosts her up, but then she gets stuck, which doesn't make any sense because like what is she stuck on? Like – <laughs> I don't know. It was so silly. And then she's just dangling. Like at one point it it's supposed to look like he's like holding her up, but you can see he's clearly not holding anything and her feet are just dangling above him. Well, that's cuz she's stuck at that point. So he doesn't need to hold her up. But th- then the fun- there is a funny beat where he reveals that one of the reasons that this whole thing is so hard is because he just feels like, you know, he's never going to meet somebody again. And so she starts 
reassuring him and saying nice things to him. But because only her feet are available, she's stroking his face gently with her toes. <laughs> And is like, oh, don't you worry. And like patting his shoulder with her feet. So that was a very funny beat. And then, you know, he says something like, you know, Ugh. it's just, I don't know, you know, I guess I have, or he was like, I guess I do need to get myself out there because what is the perfect woman for me just going to fall out of the sky? No sooner does he say that, does Fran like plummet from plummet out where of she the was, elevator. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and and falls on the floor and literally, you know, falls out of the sky in front of him. Yeah, um, which again would have been a more satisfying beat if we hadn't weirdly set up that Fran literally only went over there to like try to seduce him. Well, and there were multiple ways to get her there. I mean, she could have just as easily been like, "Oh, I got to get over there so he doesn't feel humiliated." Yeah, exactly. Like, that, that's exactly. all that needed to be. Is she's like, "Oh my god, he's going to show up to the rainbow room. She's not going to be there. This is a mess. I got to get over there so at least he doesn't feel alone because he's already feeling down about not meeting women or whatever." Yeah. Like and then she could have got stuck in the elevator and then that beat could have happened and you've been like, oh my God, these two just can't stop missing each other. By yeah, her. no, that's exactly that's exactly what I thought. Yeah. Um, but so, you know, the overall fun, funny episode, some interesting things happening. Just that one little detail that mm-hmm. kind of was like the thorn in my side while watching. Um, yeah. But even the elevator stuff was funny, you know, she's – Oh God, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it was Silly, know, but it was funny, you know. For like, sure. She, she's great. Like she's – She's she's so good at physical comedy. She reminds me of um, Lucille Ball so much. Yes, yes, and I think clearly, you know, you you can always see the huge like inspiration there, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but so that's the whole episode. You know, it, it wasn't super complicated, but um, again, a lot of little fun, interesting things happening, and some things that you know are even more interesting when we put them in the historical and cultural context. Right. Um, and then. That was really it. A fun little app, fun little bite. Yeah, I agree. I thought it was cute. Um, segments. Uh, so I guess segments. Yeah, let's do it. Mm-hmm. And now segments. So segments. Yeah, no, I think we should move on to segments. I to say we can move on to our segments. And now segments. Segments uh, with Sean and Toria. <laughs> So we went over a lot of my favorite lines and moments because sometimes I just can't contain myself. Um, like the whole like, um, why can't I be in the New York Times crossword puzzle? And, and with Fran being like, and your plays are better than his. You can always get tickets to yours. <laughs> um, I, I There was uh, some wordplay when she's like, when you fill out your taxes, what do you put? On your marital status, S or M, meaning like single or married. And he goes S and she goes, all right. So you told Uncle Sam you're single. Maybe it's time you told yourself. And he goes, but I want to be M again. And then she goes, yes, well, I want to be an M too. But first you got to get out there and make an S out of yourself. <laughs> yes. Yes. yes <laughs> I was yes. like, ooh, that was some really good wordplay there. That was uh-huh. fun. Uh-huh. Um, and – Would you? What else did you have? I, I had the uh, – when she – First says her rate is five hundred a week plus dental, and then instantly pivots to three fifty and a water pick. Mm-hmm. Um, I really like this line early in the episode when uh, Mr. Sheffield is interviewing Sydney when she initially comes in, and they're all in his office, and it's like Mr. Sheffield, CC, Niles, and Fran, and Fran's like gobbling some cookies, and she makes some inane, absurd comment, and then. Mr. Sheffield just looks at her and it's like near the end of the scene. He's like, Miss Fine, why are you here? Because it's true. She has like no reason to be in this mm-hmm. business meeting. And she just kind of like looks around the room and then goes, 
I don't know. Everyone was walking this way. Yeah. <laughs> just, just such an honest yeah. answer. It really made me laugh. That like, you know, like there's something happening and everyone's and she just like wants to be a part she's of a it. Genta, yeah. Yeah. I also really liked she's like, Oh my god, Mr. Sheffield, you're so drunk. And Niall and she goes, uh, uh, don't light a match. And then Niles goes, Didn't your father ever come home drunk? And she goes, No, we're Jewish. He came home gassy. Come oh. to think of it, we never lit a match then either. <laughs> yes. And I actually I flagged that um just because I've told this story on the podcast before that my grandfather, Papa Bob, um, always, always would say uh how he was, I guess, almost uh he was very uh, judgmental of the quote Gentile men who the day that they they got their paycheck would just go out to the bars. And he said he insinuated that like us Jews, us Jewish husbands never did that. Like they brought their checks right home to their wives um, because I guess it it's just not part of the sort of cultural uh, fabric of of. Jewish people to, I think, be to have alcohol problems. And of course, that doesn't mean that they don't exist, but it's like there are other cultures or other uh, religions where it's, you know, like the Irish, the, sure. the you know, the Irish, the Italians, and this or that. Jews are considered just, uh, you know, little menches. Yeah. Well, it's not really, I mean, yeah, there, there's our, our, our main alcohol export is Manischewitz. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, it's not like we're getting trashed. I mean, I think it's probably like, I mean, you know, as a people, we spent years and years in a desert. So like, it wasn't like drinking was a big pastime for us. Yes. It wasn't like a, exactly like access to a lot of like alcohol. Whereas like, you know, the Irish were potato farmers and yeah. you can distill stuff from potato, you know, uh-huh. so yeah. So I think it's just, yeah, it's, it's just not ingrained in us as a people. Yeah. Um, um, I also really liked uh, Mr. Sheffield says like his, he, he mentions having like one regret and then Fran goes, that's your one regret. Not the revival of Fiddler starring Lyle Wagner. <laughs> 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 like such a great, a great, the um, idea that he had produced uh, a Fiddler on the Roof starring Lyle Wagner was, it was hilarious. great. Yeah. Um, um, so those were mine. Yeah, I don't uh, – oh, I did like when she's in the elevator and she goes, oh, my God. And he goes, what? Is it a rat? And she goes, worse. There's an echo and I heard my own voice. Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that was really good. Um, that was it for me line-wise. Yeah. Good episode. Uh, good episode. Um, there was actually no Yiddish in this episode. Well, but except for a- the title. What's uh, – Oy vey, right. Yes, yes. Oy vey, you're good. Yeah. Um, and for Nanny Trivia, okay, so there was a line in this episode that probably a lot of people would have noticed. Um, Fran is holding a People magazine, and she goes, oh, look, Sydney got Mr. Sheffield in People magazine. And Sissy <laughs> goes, yeah, on the worst dress list. And Fran very pointedly, like almost towards the audience, goes, only the hippest and trendiest people end up on that one. And then the audience cheers, like a sort of a yeah. knowing appreciation. So you're so instantly, at least when I was watching, I was like, okay, I bet you Fran Drescher was, was on the featured. people's worst dress yes. list. Yeah. And indeed she was. Mm-hmm. Fran Drescher made people's worst dress list of yep. 1995, which was only 10 people. Only 10 people in the whole world get featured on it. And by the way, Another thing, it was a different time. I cannot imagine People Magazine actually doing a worse dress list. I mean, maybe they still do, but that's yeah. Okay. I bet you Style Magazine um, in Style still does that. 
But the other people, some a few other people featured on the list that year. Tori Spelling, <laughs> Drew Barrymore, Demi Moore, okay. Nicolas Cage, Melissa Etheridge, and weirdly Tony Curtis. No, what? And I'm like, he must you leave him alone. You, you know, leave him an old man he alone. He had to be like 70 at that point. I know. I was just like, ugh. They're like, ugh, this old man barely knows how to dress. I know. <laughs> it, really, it really did make me want to uh, go down a rabbit hole of Tony Curtis red carpet appearances in That's so funny. So bizarre. Um, and then for the friend of the CC, they were actually – very much on the same page in this episode because mm-hmm. they both clearly were feel- having a lot of feelings about Mr. Sheffield having feelings for somebody else. So they're not really um, at odds. But I did say, I've been cheating on my diet a lot this week, so I'm the Fran. Uh, <laughs> and that's because there was literally this one scene where you see her literally filling an entire cup with just the cream from Oreos. And so like one of the kids asks her what she's doing and she goes, Weight Watchers is very strict. You're only allowed you're only allowed one cookie. So clearly she's mining all of the frosting so she can like, I guess, eat it with a spoon and it wouldn't count because it's technically not a cookie. Not a cookie. Yeah. Yeah. Have you yeah. ever done that? Uh no, I've never done that because I actually really like the cookie part of the Oreo. Mm, yeah, me too. Yeah, me too. I don't like I, them separate, and I don't. I don't even like double stuffed. It's it's too rich. Yeah, too same. It's too much stuff. Too much no, stuff. Too much stuff. Um, all right. Well, on that note, we remind you as always to check us out on Apple Podcasts or Spotify Podcasts. Leave a comment, a five star review. Tell people you love the show. Share it everywhere. Um, and find us on social media at Oh Mr. Chef Pod and let us know how you like to eat your Oreos and where you fall on the double stuff. Uh, Please do. Please you know, do. Scale. Are you are you a double stuff person or are you single stuff only? Like do you, do you just do you take the stuff out? Or do you, do you take the, the stuff cookies? out and just eat the cookies like a real weirdo? Or like Sean at his fattest, do you open <laughs> the cookies and then Perfectly separate them so that the stuff is on one side and you have a plain cookie on the other side and then add peanut butter to that and then repackage them as a sandwich. (laughs) Recently found out I'm pre-diabetes and I don't understand why. That's like how the story of how Chris Farley used to put those little butter packets on each bite of steak because he said, it needs a hat. He's a hat. That's great. All right. <laughs> All right. And that's uh, the show. That's it. Everybody. Bye, everyone. Goodbye. The flashing girl from Flushing. The nanny named Fran. Oh, Mr. Sheffield. Uh, uh, Miss Fine. <laughs> <laughs>